Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in His Word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. Block Kansas City, how we living? Grant, phenomenal intro. I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that. Uh, if you've got a copy of God's Word, open up to Proverbs 26. Uh, speaking of loose associations for intros, uh, when I was 11 years old, I was Obi-Wan Kenobi for Halloween. It was a great costume. I loved being Obi-Wan. My friends and I were racing from house to house to see who could get the candy the fastest. And I was running faster than my friends, as a very fast 11-year-old does. Uh, what I didn't hear was my friends yelling, Nick, watch out for the pit. Nick, watch out for the pit. Someone in their yard had put this one-foot-tall fence blocking off a ditch between them and their neighbors. I don't know who puts just a one-foot-tall fence. It was black, middle of the night, couldn't see anything. I run, just trip right over that thing, straight into the pit, fall right into it, and candy goes everywhere. I scrape up my hands on some stones that were in this ditch. My Obi-Wan Kenobi costume has mud all over it, and uh, all because I could not avoid a pitfall. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about laziness, and I want to avoid two pitfalls tonight while I'm talking. That was not a funny intro. That's a bummer. I was hoping that one would work better. If it's not good, you just call it out. One pitfall that we want to avoid tonight is just talking for the next 40 minutes and saying again, laziness is bad, laziness is bad, laziness is bad. Right? We all know laziness is not a good thing. We don't need to talk for 40 minutes and figure out the fact that laziness is bad. But on the flip side, we also don't want to sell the lie that busyness is an answer for laziness. See, we're going to see that God's Word actually contrasts uh, busyness or diligence with laziness, actually. But here's the deal. Diligence is not having a full schedule, right? Diligence is not overworking yourself. Diligence is not failing to rest. Diligence is not busyness. And the reason why we bring this up is because a lot of people think, man, I don't want to hear another talk telling me I just need to add more to my life, right? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're like, I don't want someone to get up and tell me to add more. So that's not what we're going to do tonight. We're going to avoid that pitfall. And the cool thing is that God's word actually has a lot of wisdom here. And if you're asking this question, why then should we listen to God's word on laziness? The answer is because laziness is a contagious sin that will eat away at our dreams, our discipline, and our desires. Have you guys ever felt the dullness that you feel after a lazy day or after a lazy week? You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever felt uh, the anxiety of the future due to procrastination, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. If you've ever felt the state of apathy or the lack of care for things that you deeply want to care about, you know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. See, we have all experienced laziness in one form or another. And you've heard the saying that knowledge is half the battle. So tonight we are going to arm ourselves with knowledge about laziness 
for God's word so we can understand the enemy that we are up against. And then for the other half of the battle, we're going to arm ourselves with God's grace to seek out diligence tonight. See, here's the deal. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're here tonight, you're investigating faith. Some person at work just invited you to come to the block. Or you're here and you're like, I want to grow in my relationship with God. No matter where you find yourself in the room tonight, laziness is going to eat away at your life. It affects us all the same. And it could cost you a job promotion. It could cost you your job entirely for that matter. Plenty of people have lost their job because they didn't perform at work. It could cost you your relationship status. Right? Relationships. We love them here at the block. We are very pro-relationships. We're very pro-marriage. Guess what? They take a lot of work. They take a lot of investment. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus tonight, laziness will cost you your ability to tell other people about Jesus. Why? Because no one wants to listen to you talk about the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lord and Lord of Lords while you slack off and don't respond to their emails at work. No one wants to hear about Jesus from us if we don't honor our commitments. If we're not disciplined in our life at home. And so all that to say, we need to learn about laziness so that we can fight the battle. Not so we can just hear that it's bad, but so we can engage and learn, God, how are you going to help us through this tonight? I think we're going to see that God has a lot of grace. I think we're going to see that God has a lot of wisdom. So with that said, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we need you uh, to give us wisdom tonight. God, I, I thank you for everyone who's here tonight. God, I thank you for the way that they are investing their Thursday night in an opportunity to learn about their faith. God, whether they're new to this journey or this has been decades old, God, we just thank you for what you're doing in each and every individual heart here tonight. God, would you continue to move us all one step along towards maturity? God, that we would be, like Grant said, rooted and built up in our faith. God, would we be overflowing with thankfulness? And God, most importantly, would you show us tonight, God, that laziness is contagious. God, laziness is deadly, but ultimately there's an answer, and you have the answer for us. So we don't need to be afraid, we don't need to cower, but we can take confidence as we move forward in this area of our lives. God, we need you to do this in our hearts tonight. God, let these be your words and not mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So tonight we're going to be looking at a collection of four truths found in Proverbs 26, verses 13 through 16, and they're going to deal specifically with laziness. For context, uh, if you don't know much about the book of Proverbs, it's a book of God's wisdom that was written down primarily by King Solomon. He was one of the wisest men to ever live. And there's a large amount of practical daily wisdom found in Proverbs, but primarily the book of Proverbs is actually a story or an illustration of two paths. There's the path over here that's the path of folly, destruction, and death. And then there's the path on the other side of wisdom, life, and godliness. And we get to look at the two paths, and Proverbs is going to contrast multiple things, and it's going to assign one path to another. And it's going to say, this is the differentiation that we need to make in our lives. So again, when we say that, what we are not saying tonight is, hey, here's four life hacks to overcome laziness in your life. We're not saying, hey, these are four quick self-help tips that you can clean up your act, that you can get your life together. But we're actually going to learn what does God say is the path to abundant life through Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to see what God has to say to us uh, from these Proverbs, because part of that includes wisely battling the sin of laziness. And that leads us to the first proverb in verse 13. 
The sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a lion in the streets. First thing we want to draw our attention here, the word sluggard, right? We do not normally use that in our day. I think we all know what it means. I think we can all imply uh, that we know what this is talking about. It's a person whose life is primarily marked by laziness. They're sluggish, like a slug, lethargic, lacking energy, alertness, slow to make progress. Don't call someone this. It's a really bad insult. Uh, needless to say, not the kind of person that we want to follow. And we see that this person is yelling, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion out on 87th Street. There's a lion on Quivira. And the picture is that this person is supposed to get up and they're supposed to go to work, right? They're supposed to go to Garmin. They're supposed to go to Children's Mercy. They're supposed to go to wherever it is that insurance people work at, Lockton. That's a place. I know things. And when that person gets up to leave, they feel something inside of them that says, don't go to work. And so what do they do? Instead of going outside, they just start yelling, I can't go. There's a lion in my driveway. There is a lion sitting on top of my car. Wow, I really narrowly avoided danger there. Like, I almost got killed. You have no idea how close that was. Boss, I'm sorry. I can't come into work. I could have died. Have, you have no clue. It was crazy. It was like the Kansas City Zoo was just outside in my front yard. Crazy. Here's the deal. We all know there's no lion. The lazy person is living in a fantasy world. He creates something to be afraid of, to distract himself and others from the fact that he's actually afraid of working hard. And it's here that God's word is illustrating a truth. It's not often recognized in today's world. We don't often see this distinction in uh, today's worldly wisdom. But laziness and fear are actually closely connected. The Bible uses the image of a lion to describe something that we need to fear. And there's two types of fear in the Bible. There's the reverent awe that we show a ruler, that we would show God. And that can be used to be depicted as a lion, a symbol of uh, might and majesty, something that we reverently fear. But there's also the fear of the lion of danger. The knowledge that there's a predator or an enemy that we need to flee from. And so when the Bible says there's a lion outside, the sluggard is saying that. He's saying, I'm afraid of what's out there. And we see fear is actually connected to laziness. And we learn that there's all these different types of fears that are associated with laziness. Right? We've got the fear of expending energy. We've got the, the fear of the future. We've got the, the fear of failure, maybe. And these are all very connected to the sin of laziness. The lazy person creates excuses to avoid facing their fears. Point number one, if you're taking notes tonight, laziness looks like excuses that reveal fear. Let me paint for you guys a picture that is definitely not from personal experience, okay? You buy a car. It's a 2021 RAV4. It's gunmetal gray with a white roof. Not from personal experience. The time comes for you to register your 2021 Toyota RAV4, and you procrastinate because you don't know how to register your car. You have no idea what registration means. You don't really know what to do. And because you're a man, again, this is theoretical, uh, you're afraid of asking for directions or asking your parents for help or paying a late fee because you're frugal. And so whenever you have time to go to the DMV and register, you want to avoid those fears. 
But you also don't want to admit that you have these irrational fears because you're a man, right? You're cool. You do cool things, not personal experience. And so you tell yourself excuses like, the line is going to be so long today at the DMV, I just don't have time. Man, I I need to go to the gym. It's been like two days since I've gone. I gotta go. I've only got like seven or eight eggs left in the fridge. I think I need to go to the grocery store right now. Not that this is a true story. It is a true story. These excuses allowed me to procrastinate. Laziness looks a lot like procrastination. And we've all been there, right? This is a huge issue for our age demographic. A big presentation due at work. And so we say, man, I don't have the energy. I just need to get on ESPN or I need to get on Instagram for a little bit. I'll do it later. You need to get your car registered, but the line is too long at the DMV, even though you can just text in now and make it really easy. You know that you should invest in your relationship with God, but, but life is just, it's too tiring right now, really, I, for me to read my Bible or to go to Bible study. We can come up with a lot of reasons why we don't want to do the work that's in front of us. You know, we're really creative when we need to be. And ultimately, when we examine all these reasons closely, we realize a lot of these are excuses. And then we begin to peel back the layers of these excuses, and we find at the core of them, we're creating them out of fear. We realize that that I'm often lazy at work because I'm afraid to ask for help or to ask incompetent. We realize that we're procrastinating our responsibilities because we know that's going to take effort. Right? And I'm afraid of being tired. I'm afraid, of, I'm afraid of investing in my relationship with God because I know that it might change my time or my priorities. And that's going to make me uncomfortable. And I'm afraid of the change that following Jesus might bring. So we invent some wild animals. Right? Just some truly wild animals. I'm not going to the gym because there is a grizzly bear in the gym. And it's going to attack me the moment I step foot in there. I cannot get started on this project for my boss because there's a tiger sitting on top of my laptop at my desk. Can't do anything about it. I'm not going to invest in my faith because there's a lion in the streets. And over time, what happens? We begin to believe our own excuses, right? We begin to freak ourselves out. Over time, we convince ourselves perceived danger is actually real danger. There's real threat to me if I take on this work. And so we give in to more and more procrastination. I've I've been there. And because little effort or no effort is way easier than a lot of effort. It's way easier than hard work. We realize, man, this procrastination thing, it feels pretty good. It feels good to have some extra energy to devote to ESPN. It feels good to have some extra energy to devote to more fun things in my life. Things that I enjoy a little bit more. But then what happens when another area of our life comes along that's hard? We get in the the habit of creating these lions. And so then all of a sudden work becomes a lion and then exercise becomes a lion and finances become a lion. And slowly but surely, we eat away at our ability to work hard because of all the excuses that we create out of fear. Whether we know it or not, this is what the Bible says is the root of procrastination. This is the root of of laziness. Here's the kicker though, right? And this is something we all know. Getting started 
after procrastinating, it always takes way more effort than it would have in the beginning. Right? It always takes way more effort than it would have taken if we would have just started right when we got the task. And Proverbs 15, 19 actually illustrates this. It says, The way of a sluggard is a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is like a highway. See, laziness makes life a lot harder. It's like trying to fight through the brush. I think we have a, a slide for that on the screen. You're out in the woods, right, and you've got thorns. They're, they're stabbing into your jeans. They're tearing at your clothes. You've got those little annoying burrs that are stuck all over your socks that it takes just so much time to get out. And it's painful, and it's slow. But what allows thorns to grow? It's the lack of cultivation. It's the lack of work. It's the lack of creating a path. The thorns are there because we allow them to grow in our lives. And so then we contrast that with the person whose mind is focused on God and they're not going to give in to fear, but they're going to live an upright life not of their own righteousness but because of faith, because they trust God with the future. And their path is simple. It's paved. It's easy to get onto. It's like cruising down I-35. It takes very little work. The Bible is saying work becomes easier when we don't give in to excuses or fear. Pretty remarkable to think about. See, laziness, it's always looking for the lion at work. Laziness is always looking for the lion in the streets. But you want to know where the real danger is? 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The lion is the devil, and he's the real enemy. He is the one who wants to destroy and steal and kill, and he is certainly not an excuse. We have a very real enemy, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not following Christ. There is an enemy out there called Satan who hates your soul. And one of the ways that he destroys is by selling us the lie and excuse that laziness, it's going to give you more energy, it's going to give you more time, it's going to give you more comfort, it's going to give you more life, but it only leads to thorns. So what do we do? Right, we need to be diligent. Laziness leads to excuses, diligence seeks what's true. We are alert and of sober mind. We resist the enemy. We resist the temptation of laziness. We stand firm in the faith. Not by trying harder, but by faith in what God says is true. By believing that what God says in his word is actually the reality of which I can live my life. This is something that I love about being in this room, is that this is a room that is full of people who are committed to living by God's truth. And I see you guys doing it every single week. And it's so encouraging for me. It reminds me I need to be alert. I need to be of sober mind. I need to watch out and be diligent. And that means that we're going to need to fight to fill our mind with what's true. Right? This is going to be a battle. Laziness is primarily going to take place in the mind. And God's word says we don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But we're transformed. And so what do we do? We see the truth about laziness and we arm ourselves with knowledge. And then we ask God for his power. And it comes from the truth found in God's word. And God promises us that if we seek him diligently, he will help us overcome the battle of laziness. He promises that. 
And so in that moment, when we're tempted to say, hey, I think that's a lie and I'm, a, I'm afraid of this. When we're at work or at home and we want to give in to laziness, we have to fight to remind ourselves of what's true. The Bible says to cast all our anxieties on God because he cares about us. God, you've said that you're going to give me the energy I need to work hard. You've said you're going to give me the energy I need to serve you, the energy I need to work with excellence, to care for myself and for other people. You've said you're going to be the one who empowers me to grow in my faith. I'm going to choose to believe what's true rather than make excuses. And slowly but surely, we fight back at the excuses and the fears of our mind. Laziness leads to excuses. Diligence seeks what's true. Proverbs 26.14 then continues. It says, like a door that turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Another thing that you guys need to know about me. I feel like I'm not painting myself in a great light tonight. That's good. Uh, I hate packing for trips. Absolutely just can't stand it. And this is an issue when you consider that I have spent the majority of my working life traveling back and forth across the world. Packing is a huge part of the job. And one specific memory stands out with packing. Years 2018, I'm responsible for leading a team of college students during a seven-week mission trip to South Asia. And I was supposed to be at the airport at 6 a.m. to pick up this team of college students. Before I had to get to the airport, I needed to pack up all my stuff from my permanent apartment and take it to our summer housing so that I would be ready to lead the team. And so what do I do? I pull out my, my suitcase, I open it up on my bed, I look at that thing, and I know, man, i got to get busy right now. So what do I do? Naturally, I go straight to the gym. Just go straight to the gym, and I spend an hour there. It was phenomenal, great workout. And then I get back and I think, man, that was great. And I look back at my suitcase and I think, all right, Nick, time to get busy. You know what you need to do right now. And so I go and I make dinner. I go and I make a great dinner. And then I walk back and I look at the suitcase and I think, man, I probably should play a game of Madden right now, you know, to let dinner digest. Oh, I probably need to uh, study for that Bible study I'm supposed to lead tomorrow when the college students get here. I, I probably need to go on a prayer walk. I probably need to clean the house that I'm not going to be living in for an entire summer. Before I knew it, it was two in the morning, and I still had not packed a single thing into that suitcase. As a result, I did not sleep that night, and I ended up getting sick the first week that the team I was supposed to lead got there, which is crazy, right? Because I had done a lot of things. I had been very active the night before. My life had been full of even good things. But here's the deal. It wasn't what I needed to do. I was a door that was turning on its hinges. Right? A, a, a door opens and closes, opening, opens and closes. Gets a lot of activity, but the door never goes anywhere. The door stays stuck in its comfort zone. And it says in the same way, a lazy person might turn and turn and turn on their bed. They get a lot of activity, but they only stay where it's comfortable. Point number two, if you're taking notes, laziness looks like activity without responsibility. This is why we say that busyness is not the answer for laziness. Laziness does not always look like doing nothing. Laziness can look like a schedule full of activities. I've met a number of young adults. You probably have met people like this too. We might be people like this in the room. You've got full schedules, right? 
You're filling up your time with work, relationships, budgeting, maybe even spiritual events, social gatherings, gym memberships, becoming YouTube scholars on whatever topic it is, studying for your, your draft for your fantasy football league. We're all so, so busy all the time. Schedules are full. But the question is, in all of these things, are we being responsible? And, and I don't know tonight what God is asking you to spe- specifically do in your life. I don't know what God's specific will is for you. But I do know that God gives all of us some general commands of how we need to live. General guidelines of how we ought to order our lives. We're called all of us, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're all called to love other people around us and consider them more important than ourselves. We're all called to work with excellence and cultivate and create. We're all called to be good stewards of our lives, our finances, and our possessions. We're all called to rest and to, in, uh, we're called to rest and to intentionally enjoy the things of God intentionally enjoy blessings from God, good things in life. So here's the self-exam for all of these questions. All of these things. Does my schedule reflect my God-given responsibility? Not is my schedule full. Not do I feel overwhelmed or stressed out. Not do I feel like I have no free time. No, does my schedule reflect my God-given responsibilities? And if the answer to that question is no, we have to ask ourselves, could it be that we're more comfortable with staying where we're at in life than being accountable to God's plan to grow and develop? Don't miss this, y'all. It's comfortable to be busy. And you might be thinking, no, it's not. It's stressful to be busy. It is stressful, but we can use it as a veil to avoid responsibilities. We can use it to avoid the thing that we don't want to do. And we're all called by God to love and work hard and rest and serve our communities for many of us marry and have kids. You were created in the image of God. No matter if you are a Christian or not, if you have devoted your life to Jesus Christ or not, you were made in the image of God. And God has said that you have incredible intrinsic value as a result of that. And because you are an image bearer of God, you are called to bear God's image. And so if God created, when he uh, worked and created the world, and then he rested, and God created work, and he loved others, and he created community, and God created marriage and childbirth, God created all these things. He created you, and he said that it was very good. And so we see that God says that every single one of us in the room tonight was created to work. And rest, because that is what it means to live. That's what it means to be human. That's what it means to bear the image of God. And it's very good to do so. And on top of all those things, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to some additional things. You're called to to grow spiritually and to bear fruit. There's an expectation that if you are a genuine blood-bought follower of Jesus, your life is going to change and bear fruit. Yes, it is only by the grace of God. And yes, God gives us the power to live this out. 2 Peter 1 actually talks about this. It talks about the gospel. It talks about God's divine power, giving us everything we need for life and godliness. But then God says this, For this very reason, make every effort. 
Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Make every effort. Work at this. Continues and says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is all going to be uncomfortable. Right? This is going to require taking some responsibility. But it's where we find the fullness of life. And we can be sluggards in different areas of our lives, and we can stay in the metaphorical bed of a busy but ultimately comfortable schedule and just keep turning over and turning over and turning over and going nowhere. And a lot of people, honestly, is how, that's how they view our generation. That's how they view millennials. That's how they view Gen Z. But I see a lot of people here tonight, a lot of young adults who are investing their Thursday night in the path of growth, in the path of responsibility, in the path of life. And God wants to do some amazing things through the people in this room. And he's calling us to further responsibility. He's calling us to go out and bear fruit. He's calling us to go out and bear his image. Laziness looks like activity. Diligence looks like responsibility. And so to fight this battle of laziness, we've got to make sure our priorities align with our God-given responsibilities. We've got to make sure that our schedules align then with our priorities. And we've got to do the work of learning what it means to live in this earth. You might have been taught some different things that are separate than what the Bible teaches. And you're going to have to go through and you're going to have to do work and examine, is this actually true? Does what the Bible say actually have a bearing on my life? And that's going to take some intellectual work to weigh these different truths and figure out, do I believe what God says? It's going to take work to create a schedule that matches up with our priorities and our responsibilities. It takes work to love and serve God. It takes work to go to work. And as we prioritize these things, then we say we value these things, and that means that our schedule needs to be used accordingly. We've got to use our time in a way that reflects our life, a way that reflects what we value. And, and again, this takes hard work. It takes diligence to be alert to our own time usage, to give mental audits and time audits of our lives. Proverbs 20.13 says this, Do not love sleep, lest you become impoverished, Open your eyes so that you might be satisfied with food. If you're here tonight, you've got the opportunity to reject the idol of false comfort and open your eyes to responsibility and be satisfied. And you might be thinking, Nick, it doesn't feel like hard work is worth it. It feels like the more I work in life, the more tired I become. And I don't want to work harder. I don't think I have the energy to do this. I don't think I have the diligence to do what it takes, and you feel exhausted, and you feel like life is there and it's available to you, but it's out of reach. It leads us to our next proverb, but first, here's an illustration. Has anyone in the room watched the show Alone? Great show, phenomenal uh, premise. Ten survivalists are chosen to compete in a contest. They see who can survive in the wilderness for the longest amount of time alone, by yourself, Every single season, there's some remote location that's found, and they get dropped off by themselves with only a little bit of supplies. And over time, they need to find food, and they need to find water, and they need to find shelter 
and, and they almost begin to go crazy. They record themselves, and you watch them slowly lose their minds as they're by themselves. The hardest challenge for everyone is pretty much always food. Slowly, a lot of people tap out when they realize, I can't go any longer. I can't take this anymore. And they call, and a rescue team comes and picks them up. It's a great show, and there's always been one story from this show that has always stood out to me. It's always sat in the back of my mind. There, in one season, there's a girl, Callie. She's hugely successful at catching fish. She catches, over this period of a couple days, 34 trout. And she smokes them all and stores them all in a way that bears aren't going to come, try to eat them. She's incredible. She's remarkably smart. She has all this food start, uh, stored up. And then as the weeks go on, you see her slowly begin to demonstrate signs of starvation. And, and you, you watch, and she, becomes to become, she begins to become emaciated. And her body starts to shut down, and eventually the rescue team, they monitor their, their vitals, and they come in, and they have to rescue her to get her out of there. And a psychologist comes on to explain that oftentimes if someone is in starvation or if someone is in a scarcity situation, they can be surrounded by food, but they won't eat because they're afraid that they're not going to have anything else for the future. And there are some wild people on this show. I am not about to call any of them lazy, right? They are all incredibly hard workers. They're all remarkable individuals. But think about that, being surrounded by food, but unwilling to eat. Proverbs 26, 15 says, The sluggard plunges his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. The food's there, right? The sluggard, he's got his bowl of powdered donuts, his bowl of tortilla chips, whatever your thing is. He's got the food. It's right in front of him. He even puts his hand in the food, but he won't eat. His laziness keeps him from being able to fulfill his desire. Point number three, laziness looks like desire without satisfaction. It could be become, because of excuses, could be because of busyness, could be previous overindulgence. Laziness will destroy our ability to actually be satisfied. We talked about the fact that there is an enemy, the devil. Do you know that the devil would love nothing more for you to be surrounded with true life and yet never enjoy any of it? Do you know that he would love to keep you lazy, love to keep you procrastinating, stressed out, overwhelmed, so that the deepest desires of your soul are never met? Why? Why would he do that? Because he knows that this is true. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. And the longings and desires that we have are only given to us by God so that we recognize a need for him. And so if you're here tonight and you feel like, Man, I just, I feel so tired. I feel so worn down. Understand that there is an enemy working against you. And those desires that you have, they're good. Right? We desire to earn money because God wants you to know all treasure ultimately comes from Him, belongs to Him. We have a desire for relationships. God wants us to know that marriage is a reflection of Jesus' love for His bride, the church. We have a desire to be known and to be loved because we want to know that God offers to love us unconditionally and fully. 
We have a desire to eat because God created our bodies to first function off of food in the physical sense, but it also illustrates the spiritual truth. Our souls need to be fed with God's word. We have a desire to rest because it illustrates that God is in control and we don't always have to be working and we don't need to be perfectly in control of our life. Only God gives us comfort. And so what does the devil do? He likes to offer us counterfeits for these desires. He likes to offer us binging, the love of money, pornography, people-pleasing, anything to get us away from God. But then also he wants to get us nice and lazy so that we just suffer and suffocate under the weight of our unmet desires. He uses things like screen time to breed apathy and inaction, disconnection from community. Fears to keep us from going deep in our faith or working hard in our jobs. The food is right there. Life is right there. But he wants to keep it just out of reach. Enough that we're enticed, but not enough that we would ever be satisfied. Proverbs 21, 25 says, What the sluggard desires will kill him, for his hands refuse to work. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, so that we might be tempted to look at God and say, God, you don't love me. You don't care. You're not good. And we reject God and we choose death. See, Proverbs, at the high level, it's about these two paths. It's about the path of wisdom and life and the path of folly, sin, and death. So in Proverbs 13.4 says, The appetite of the sluggard craves but gets nothing, but the desire of the diligent will be abundantly satisfied. Here's the deal. God is not calling us to be diligent because he wants us to be busy. God is not calling us to be diligent because he wants us to feel shame for laziness in our life. God is not calling us to be diligent because he wants us to solve our own problems and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just work harder, just white-knuckle it a little bit more. God is telling us to seek diligence because he wants us to have the fullness of life, because he loves us, and he knows that the devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God knows that naturally we are sinners and we are enslaved to the kingdom of darkness. We're ultimately going to choose laziness and it's going to lead to death, pain, and ultimately hell. See, the reason why the devil wants to drag as many people along with him is because he knows that his end is destruction. And he wants to steal as many people with him as he can. And God recognizes this. God recognizes that we could never work hard enough to free ourselves from our own sin. We can never work hard enough to free ourselves from the enemy. We can never do anything ourselves to clean up our lives or work harder. And so what did he do? He did the work. He became human. Jesus Christ came and walked among us. He worked to live a perfect life. He did the work of of taking the punishment for our sin on the cross. He worked to prove God's power through the resurrection so that we could find eternal rest. So that we could be free from the kingdom of Satan and be given to the kingdom of God so we could find a community, that we could find a family, that we could find a place of belonging where we gather together and we say, we're going to work hard, not because we're anything, not because we think we're special, but because we serve God and he has saved us. We work hard because we're a family that's been bought by Jesus' blood and he calls us to bear fruit out of gratitude, to be overflowing with gratitude. And so if you're in the room tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, just know that this is free. There is no work required for you. 
All you have to do is say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired, and I need you to give me your yoke, which you promise is easy and light. And you say, I submit my life to following you. And whatever that means, giving up, whatever comfort that means I'm going to sacrifice, whatever future that means I'm going to need to embrace, whatever anxiety that means I'm going to need to work through, I'm going to do it because I know that you love me and you died for me, and I want nothing else than to be free and to have life. If you are a follower of Jesus in the room tonight, this is not a talk about cleaning up your life. This is a talk about finding freedom through Jesus Christ. And for those of us in the room who are followers of Jesus, then what do we do? Right? What do we do out of response of this great love with which God has loved us? God asks us to be diligent. He asks us to humbly seek his help, to reject laziness through God's power, work hard. Which means there's going to be work for us to do. Right? We're going to be called to be effective. We're going to be called to get our hands a little dirty. And we don't do it out of our own power. I hope you never hear at the block, clean up your life. It's not what the Bible says, but the Bible does say work hard. It says we got to get to work. We got to bear fruit. We got to rely and cling to Jesus. And so the question is are we going to open the Bible? Are we going to learn about it? Are we going to apply it to our lives? Or are we just going to stick our hand in the pages and never bring it back? Are we going to ask for help, learn to be discipled, seek out community, go and make disciples ourselves, be responsible? Or are we going to stick our hands in busy schedules? Are we going to be men and women of character at work? Are we going to work with excellence? Or are we going to stick our hands in excuses? There is excellence for us to accomplish. There is art for us to create. There is responsibility that we are called to embrace. And God knows that in all of these things... We seek God to provide for us, to energize us, guide us. We realize God is the one who has given us life all along. And to cling as closely as I can to God is where true life is found. And we find ultimate satisfaction in Him. Laziness leads to death. Diligence through Christ leads to life. The question is for us then, will we be humble and follow God? Or are we going to be prideful and choose laziness? Proverbs 26, 16 ends with this. The sluggard is wiser in his own estimation than seven people who respond with good sense. And when the Bible says that the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people, seven is the number of completeness in the Bible. It's saying the sluggard believes he is wiser than everyone else in the entire world. And so the question is, as we come to God's word tonight, do we look at it and do we say, I know better than God? Or do we humble ourselves and say, God, teach me? Laziness is really a form of pride. It's the arrogance and selfishness of rejecting God's call in our lives and choosing comfort. It's not wise. It leads only to self-deception. The lazy person ultimately does not accept wisdom. He doesn't accept advice. He doesn't accept help. But we realize, man, we've been called from this. We've been saved from this. We don't have to live this way anymore. And in fact, at the beginning of Proverbs, Proverbs 6, 6 says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. The first cure to laziness is humility, to learn wisdom from a creature like the ant. Something small and insignificant. But what does the ant do? Ants work hard. Ants don't procrastinate. Ants don't make, make excuses. They work for the good of their community. They not only meet their own desires, but they store up a surplus for a time of need. 
And the question is for us then, how are we going to be humble and seek out this diligence? Or do we continue on in the way of which we once lived? When we feel the temptation to make excuses out of laziness and fear, are we going to do the hard work to seek God in prayer? Are we going to do the hard work to remind ourselves of what God's word says is true? Are we going to ask God to care for us and resist the enemy who prowls around like a lion? When we feel tired and we want to settle in our old ways, the way of laziness, are we going to do the hard work of seeking out a community that will challenge us? When we feel the temptation to seek busyness, isolation, are we going to press into a local church, a group of believers? They're going to challenge us, get us out of our comfort zone, but ultimately they're going to lead us to where life is found. And we might have to make some schedule changes. We might need to make some priority shifts to honor our responsibilities. We might have to cut out some time wasters out of our lives. But God promises that satisfaction is found in him. And when we seek his priorities, that's where we find joy, and that's where we find peace, and that's where we find life. Will you seek life in Jesus Christ? I pray that each of us will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help. God, we are all naturally, apart from you, enslaved to the enemy. God, we, we don't have anything good within ourselves. God, I know I don't. And so, God, I, I pray that for those of us in the room tonight, God, would we understand that you are a loving God and you saw us in our state of need. God, and we can just admit that we need you. God, I pray, would you give all of us the humility of heart to admit that we need help. And we might have some things together, but ultimately, there's nothing that we can do to clean up our lives. God, I pray that you would show each of these things, God, uh, help us to be encouraged. If there's ways in our life that we're being diligent, God, give us encouragement in these things. God, if there's things from your word that you've already taught us and that we're living out, God, give us the freedom to celebrate what you're doing. But God, if there's the sin of laziness in our hearts, God, and I know that this has been hard for me as I've been preparing this. God, seeing so many ways that I fall short. God, would we just seek out your grace? Knowing that we can't work hard enough. I can't be diligent by myself. I need you. And God, would we seek forgiveness? And would we find healing and freedom through the cross of Jesus? You paid for that. We don't need to be ashamed. And God, then would you call us to work? Would we abide deeply with you and would we bear fruit? Would we bear your image? God, we need you more than anything else in this. God, help us to win the battle for our minds. God, help us to resist the enemy. God, I pray for this room. God, I'm so thankful for this room, for the ways that they make sacrifices to grow in their faith. God, for the men and women who are seeking to know you deeply. God, for those people who are investigating, God, thank you for bringing them here tonight. God, I pray that we would just be people who are marked with diligence, marked with having our eyes open because they're so fixed on you and so committed to our God-given responsibilities. Would you do this in our hearts? Would you do this in the lives of this room? And would that be something that goes out and it makes an impact in Kansas City? And people would know that we're different by the way that we live and the way that we speak to them. We pray all this 
through your son's name, Jesus. Amen.